Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And so now because they haven't been trained in the way they should go, there's nothing to depart from. There's only something to go to and where they're getting their answers from are creating an immeasurable amount of confusion in this next generation. We have to number one, become askable parents. Our kids aren't looking to us to be perfect. They're looking to us to be guides. Connection before correction. You're listening to a special series on having the talks because one just isn't enough. You can now grab the newest card deck for parents and children by going to www.havingthetalks.com. Dear young married couple, parents, are you an askable parent? Can your kids feel the freedom to come to you and ask hard questions? In this episode, we talk with Cole and Kate Zick about the dangers of not being an askable parent. And then we dive into some pretty practical ways for how to become an askable parent. They talk to us about everything from anatomy to pornography to sex, the different kinds of sex and all the questions that your kids might throw at you and how to foster that environment where they see you as the source. Uh, So tune in to hear about uh, more practical tips for how to approach these conversations. Yes, they're going to give you some stems and I think challenge you to face these difficult questions and really you can do it with confidence. Cole and Kate are the directors of Moral Revolution and Moral Revolution is really uh, countercultural in terms of bringing the conversations of healthy sexuality to the table and we have high respect for Cole and Kate. They've also been on the podcast before and we will link their prior episode in the show notes. So tune in to hear this very empowering and helpful conversation. Welcome Kate and Cole to the podcast. We're so honored you're with us today. Welcome guys. Yeah, we're happy to be here. We love you guys. We tell everybody we know about you. Um, <laughs> um, likewise. Awkwardly, you know how they say like bromance, like it's definitely like a couple minutes. And uh, so, yeah, we love everything we get to do with you guys. We love. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys are cutting edge. Seriously. And it's awesome to be, um, you know, linked up and, and moving the kingdom forward. Exactly. With yeah. you guys. Definitely. So we feel the same. Well, you guys have spoken to a lot of parents. You have also seen the repercussions of um, when children don't have parents who are parenting well around sexuality. Um, And you see them when they're youth and young adults and even young married couples. Um, And so we want to find out from you guys today and, you know, broadly speaking, um, what it looks like to parent well around sexuality. But specifically, we'll focus on why anatomy matters so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so first of all, let's start this off. Why even have this conversation? Um, why does it matter for us to jump into, Hey, parents wake up. Like, why do we have to have this, um, you know, quote air quotes, awkward conversation about anatomy? Like, why does that? Because when we don't culture looks like what it looks like right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's funny when you will do a parenting teaching or even a marriage teaching with adults and like, Hey, whose parents, did the right thing and told them what they needed to know about sex. Nobody raises their hand. 
yeah. right? Like we've been doing this wrong for generations. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. this generational mistake, I would call it, because I don't think any, I don't think any parents on purposely doing the wrong thing in this right. realm. Right. 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 Yeah. But for generations, parents have felt so terrified to do it. Mm-hmm. And so now we sit in a very sexually confused culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason we're so sexually confused is because he mandated us in Proverbs 22, 6, train your child in the way they should go. And then when they're old, it won't depart from them. Mm. The problem is that in specifically in this area, there has not been any training for the most part from parents to children. And so they're not departing from anything because there's nothing to depart from. So these kids have been left to figure out answers on their own. Yeah. They're asking their peers. Right. Like my, my oldest is in sixth grade and he's come home and asked about oral sex and asked about condoms and asked about a number of things because the kids at school have started to talk about it. And I think and you just you, you realize the fifth graders are talking about it. The sixth graders are talking about it. And what are they doing? They're asking each other. Yeah. Right. right. I was going to say that's the beautiful thing about what you just said is that your kid came home and asked you about oral yes. sex and condoms. Totally. Yeah. I don't think that's common. No. It's not. And, and think about how damaging it is when an 11 year old asks another 11 year old, <laughs> hey, what's sex? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Then the answers that start to come out in those conversations at school. And then when they're like, well, I don't know, let me look it up and let's then they Google. And so now because they haven't been trained in the way they should go, there's nothing to depart from. There's only something to go to and mm-hmm. where they're getting their answers from are creating an immeasurable amount of confusion in this next generation. Yes. Yeah. I think another part though, is just going back, even when you ask like, why, why is it necessary to have these awkward conversations? It's sad that we even think of it as awkward, right? Like the only reason that the awkward piece fit in is because, Hmm. because the church and the believers have been silent. The enemy has been able to come in with the counterfeit, which is perversion and so then it feels awkward to talk about because we've only known this perverted version. We don't understand because none of us experienced in our childhood the power and privilege of first mention being done so well that you're like, oh, this isn't awkward. This is normal. This is how my mom and dad taught me. So it just feels like this, you know, yep. parents are having to pioneer in this area because they probably didn't receive it well. So they're having uh-huh. to figure out what is the language, what's appropriate. And out of their own brokenness and experience with perversion, they're feeling like this is awkward rather than understanding from the biblical foundations how uh, godly it all is. But I think parents need to remember this. The lies will be so familiar when the truth is foreign. And so when we haven't been teaching and reinforcing and declaring the truth about sex, then the lies are going to be so familiar. They sound like truth to our kids. Mm-hmm. So the answer isn't, uh, and I, I want to preface this. I'm not saying we don't protect and guard our kids. We do. But the answer isn't shelter our kids so that they're never around anybody. They never hear anything. They never experience anything. I actually prefer my kids to experience and ask every question while they're under my roof mm-hmm. because they're yeah. going to leave one day. And if I haven't done a good job of teaching them how to identify lies and reject them and how to mm-hmm. identify truth and trust it mm-hmm. when they're off on their own, they're going to grab onto every loud voice that's speaking the loudest. And they're going to think that that loud 
frequent voice is the truth. Yeah. And so mm. I, right now, I'm trying to teach them. Here's how you identify. Like, hey, so what'd you hear at school when, when my when my boy asked about oral sex? I said, well, what'd you hear about it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so he started answering th- those questions. And I said, well, it's actually a part of sex. And we started to dialogue and, and I started to try to figure out what he already knew. And then I made sure to give him the truthful answers because mm-hmm. I didn't want the lies to become his reality. I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to replace what he had heard with truth. And guess what? I also did at the same time. I reinforced, I'm the source kiddo. Mm -hmm. Whenever you have a question or you want to know something, you don't need to go to Google. I didn't say this verbally, but you don't need to go ask your friends because I will always unawkwardly answer whatever you need to know. Unawkwardly answer what you need to know. I might feel awkward so internally, but yeah, they're gonna remember how how they felt in the moment. So as much as you might be internally freaking out, we have to number one become askable parents, and number two, we have to practice our poker face. We have to practice whatever face it is to say I'm not shocked by this. You could be freaking out inside because they're gonna walk away remembering how it felt, yeah. and they're not gonna come back do those questions if they're like oh i had to sit through it too long and that was really mm. awkward and i don't mm. ever want to feel like that again i asked about oral sex and i had to spend all night talking about it for two and a half hours and mm-hmm. i wasn't allowed to hang out with any of my friends and i didn't go to get to go to school for the next week because right? didn't, like yeah. all of those overreactions i think yeah. the, the statement kate just made it's really good for parents to ask themselves is am i an askable parent Yes. Am I an askable parent? And the answer to that's going to be more dependent on your tone and your body language and the, the, what the environment you create when the question's asked than it is what you say. Mm-hmm. That mm. is golden. Okay. So you guys have highlighted two concepts that I think some parents might be going, whoa, I failed already um, in this area, but I want you to show us the dichotomy here and how, how okay. they both work. You mentioned, Kate, the power of first mention. Yeah, I know, I was wanting to okay. say that. And, so, and it was interesting too, like the theological idea of first mention of like, this is what sets the standard for how yeah. you read the rest of the Bible. But you did it in the context of what a parent tells a child. Yeah. Or it seemed like parenting. Uh-huh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how you set the way we should go. Mm-hmm. And then when there is a departure, we actually know that, Oh, there's a departure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So on the one hand, you have the power of the first mention that we want to aim for. But then, Cole, you gave an example, and I think a lot of parents find themselves there where they, they maybe didn't give the first mention about a particular topic or a particular body part, in this case, oral sex. And then you get to correct. You get to, you know, because you've fostered, you've curated yeah. that environment. So yes. talk about parents who find themselves in that place of like, I didn't give my kids the power of first mention. Like how can they still, maybe specifically when it comes to, you know, body parts, sex ed, anatomy, how can they still jump in and be the voice of, you know, the trusted resource? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think number one is parents, whether, so this is one area that I think we've actually done good in, in our, in our home only because of what we do for a living and the statistics we know, right? Yeah. Like yes. we found once I, once I read the stat that kids find pornography between eight and 11 years old, hmm. then I started talking with my kids before even eight years old. Right. Five, like, seven. but it's only because of our job. And there's a hundred other areas of our life that we're like, I have no idea what to do. I've screwed up 15 times. Right. Like, like we all have the things that we feel 
confident in, the things we feel really vulnerable in, the things that we're feel ashamed about of our parenting, the things we feel strong about. And so I want to just say that like, man, this is an area that we do feel strong in, but there's lots of areas that we're like, oh man, I got to get over this shameful feeling because I screwed up. What do I do now to fix my failure? Uh, Step number one is just own it. Yeah, right. Good. Like, Hey, sit down with your kids, whatever age they are mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I'm realizing I should have done a better job engaging with you about sex and sexuality. And I want to apologize to you. The reason I didn't was because I felt shame. I felt embarrassment. I felt whatever it is, whatever those reasons were, even if that shame is connected to your past, I find a lot of parents mm-hmm. discredit themselves because they have a past yes. that contradicts the bit, the Bible. And so when that, when that happens, we a lot of times feel like, well, I can't do this. Well, you, you still can. If, if you think you can't, then I would tell you, you haven't fully understood the power of the cross yet. Mm-hmm. Because the power of the ca- cross, its number one job is to redeem everything. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the Lord Jesus wants to redeem your past. And if he's going to redeem your past, that means he's putting you into, you're, you're putting off your old self. You're putting on your new self. Mm. So when you're talking to your child, you're actually no longer that person that made all of those failures. You're actually that new person, that new creation. Mm. So you're actually very empowered to do it. You just have to ask the Lord, how am I going to use my past to be the redemptive piece to this conversation? Yes, right. So Kate, we have very different stories. I waited till I was married to have sex. I've never seen pornography. She's the only one I've said I love you to. Caitlin was sexually active in seventh grade yeah. and she didn't find the Lord until she was 16. So she had about a four year period where it was basically anything goes. Mm-hmm. And we both have equal authority when we're talking to our kids and we have the opportunity to talk from very different vantage points. And so I would just encourage any parent that feels like you've missed the boat, Mm -hmm. Mm. lean in with some humility and say, you know what? I screwed up on this. Like, Mm. like, and and we have to do it. Like the other night we were leaving on a trip. We were both stressed because we're trying to get ready for this trip. We're leaving in the morning and make sure the schedule for the kids and the babysitters and all this stuff. And we got home and we got the kids cleaning and we're eating dinner. And my oldest son just pauses. He goes, are you guys upset or mad about something? Cause you guys are really like intense tonight. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, man, we're, we just spent our last evening harping on all of the kids. And now we're going to be gone for four days. Mm. Um, yeah. So right. Then, did you own it? I did. So they're they're in their bedroom. I go in there and I like they're laying in bed and I went in there. and I go, hey, kiddo, you're totally right. I'm sorry. We were so sharp. You guys didn't do anything wrong. We're just a bit stressed out. I wish looking back, I wish we would have spent our last evening differently. I'm sorry that we didn't. And I'm sorry that we're the ones, me and mom and dad are the ones that created the the stress and the anxiety tonight. Um, Like as a parent, like owning it and just saying, you know what? I didn't do it right. That alone can bring a ton of healing. It really can. This, what I just yeah. said feels a little bit smaller maybe to you than it, than a sexual thing, but the, the principle holds true. Our kids aren't looking to us to be perfect. They're looking to us to be guides. And sometimes the best thing we can guide them in is the humility of owning. I didn't do this when I should have. Do you mind if we start to lean into this now, even though it feels too late? Because I'd love to still get to have a voice in this because I want to make sure that you either A, don't make the same mistakes that I made, or B, that you have the opportunity to do things the right way, the way that I did. And I'd love to just share with you the heart of God for you in this area. Yeah. 
Well, I think part part of owning it for some parents, I imagine too, is like the reason you either delayed it or you haven't, you know, you didn't jump on it is because you're actually, your intentions were to protect them. And I think looking back and realizing what are we trying to protect them from is because we realize how much brokenness and perversion has owned the narrative because it wouldn't, it's, it's not like you're breaking their protection or their innocence by telling them anatomy, by calling a penis, a penis and a vagina, a vagina. Um, Like I remember when I was first coming into this understanding, like I had a friend who was already there and uh, she was just like further along in the journey than me. And she was telling me how, you know, she's wiping her daughter, like in a public stall, you know, once in the women's restroom and her, da- her daughter just like yells out, mom, you're hurting my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you know, people are probably freaking out. Like what am I doing? Yeah, but it's right. just because it's, it's not her hoo-ha or it's not, you know, like exactly very clearly, like there's no, there's nothing to protect there. It's just making sure the reason it's so important and what I learned and what I've seen and valued is that it's just removing shame. Like yes. we call an elbow an elbow, a nose a nose, you know, a knee, a knee. It's your, your body parts aren't supposed to be these parts that are shamed. It's teaching the difference between shame and privacy. Like it's a private part. Mm. This is what it's for. This is what God gave it for, but there's no shame around calling uh, the anatomy, what it actually is. So that is, that's good. I love this distinction between shame and privacy. Cause I think for the parents who are on board with, we're in that camp, you know, our kids are two and four and we're totally on board with, you know, we want to teach them all the anatomy. They know all yep. their anatomy. Um, but then there's this like, to line our chagrin of, sometimes. Yeah. There's this yeah, line yeah, of like, oh, oh, yeah, the totally. privacy. So like Adeline recently was like in a store and you're super loud. You know, there's well, a mannequin. The, the worst thing about it was I, it was just me and her. Uh-huh. And so we work walking through coal or coals and we're uh, holding hands and then she, you know, takes off and there's some mannequins all set up, you know, with like Nike gear on or something like that. But she runs up, jumps on the pedestal. I'm like, Adeline, get down. And then she like reaches up and puts her hand on the mannequin. And she's like, dad, look, I'm touching his penis. <laughs> With all these like ladies walking around. I saw like people just like duck underneath <laughs> clothes. And like these ladies were just walking in front of us. They just put their head down and like, were, like oh my word. But yes, it opens you up to these like embarrassing moments. Yeah. But also most likely my daughter will know exactly what's off limits yeah. and we have a very open conversation about these sort of things and she has yeah. lots of questions yes you know and and it has opened that door for us to to talk very openly yeah. and have clarity in our language that's right yeah exactly which I, which I think is very important so talk yeah. about like for folks like us and a lot of folks <laughs> who are listening that are like yes 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 let's do it but then how do we teach the privacy component in a way that doesn't bring shame? Yeah, that's great. We, I, again, I think it's one of the things I love that you guys are, are doing is you're saying, hey, there isn't the talk. There's talks. There's a mm-hmm. series of talks over a lifetime, not one talk one time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's all like sometimes we want this like mathematical equation for relationships. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys are the, the relationship professionals. You guys know there's not an one equation. There is this organic evolution of connectivity. Yep. And so I think that we're, we're committing to connection mm-hmm. is what we're, we're fighting for all the time. So you think about it like anything else, like you, like your relationship with each other. 
right? Like when Caitlin and I are, are strong and we're connected and we feel, man, I'm, we've been connected relationally, conversationally. Like we spent three hours talking last night, let's say, or we spent two hours talking and then we went to bed and, and you know, enjoyed that, that part of marriage. Guess what? The next morning when she's like, hey, I need you to unload the dishwasher. And I'm like, hey, I need you to go pick up the kids. Great. Oh, We're yeah. connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like those, mm-hmm. those requests, those instructions feel really clear, obvious, and we're happy to do it. Yeah. When we're not connected relationally, all of a sudden it's like, why are you always telling me what to do? Why do you want to control me? It's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. The closer I am to him relationally, the more I'm in his presence, the more I read scripture as protection. The more disconnected I am relationally, the more like legalism it feels. Mm. And so I would say the same thing is with our kids, right? The more connected, the more intentional I am on a weekly basis to remain connected to my children. The more authority and ability I have to give clarity and give parameters that don't feel like legalism, but feel like covering and protection, that that they'll value what I'm saying to them. And so we have a lot of times with our kids, like we had one of our boys um, at Sunday school jumped up on the stage and ripped his pants down because he wanted to show off his penis to everybody. No. (laughs) That tops it. Not to one up your mannequin story, but you did. We talk with him afterwards and we're like, kiddo, that's not, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Your penis and your privates are not something that you're supposed to show to everybody. No, it's something at home that we take baths together and we see each other, but we're family. And so in that context, it's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's why we wear clothes because God has designed that you wouldn't see someone naked until you're married and that they wouldn't see you naked until you're married as outside of your family. And that when you are married, you'd get to experience that that way. Right. And so we're just creating clarity. We're creating parameters. It's mm-hmm. okay for parents to set boundaries. Not only is it okay, it's needed. Yeah. How else are we to train our children in the way they should go? If that training doesn't come with healthy boundaries. Right. Now, if you are just the parent that's just giving the boundaries, Without also playing the football in the front yard and wrestling in the living room and reading the stories at night and fighting for connection and listening to their heart. And, you know, we had it last night at dinner. We sat down and our two older boys both had something really heavy on their heart. And we ended up sitting there for 45 minutes at dinner. I didn't end up eating my meal because it got cold while I was listening and engaging. Right. But those points of connection give you the opportunity to give a parameter that doesn't feel like legalism later on. And so there's no room for shame in a connected home. Yeah. There's no shame doesn't come into connected homes because in a connected home, we know the way our kids need communicated to. We know what they need to be told. We know that the manner in which they need to hear it. Each one of my kids needs to hear things a little bit different in order to know that I need to be connected. If I'm connected, I can communicate the way that each child needs to be communicated to. Again, Not that we do this perfect all the time in the Zik home, but this (laughs) is what we're striving to do, right? Like this is what we're, especially with four kids in five and a half years. Like if I was, I can't tell you that we're connected all the time. We're definitely not connected the way that we want to be all the time. But I would say that we're always evaluating where's my connection at? What do I have the ability? What do, where do I have the connection for right now? Last example I'd given, and I know Kate wants, wants to say something. 
Um, and this is literally from this week, just to be open and vulnerable. So we got, we had that night, Thursday night was not a great night. We left Friday morning. We got back Sunday night. Yesterday was Monday. We're, we're recording this on a Tuesday. You might not watch it on a Tuesday, but we're recording it on a Tuesday. Um, and I pick, I go to pick my son up from school and I overheard him with his friends saying something that I feel like, oh, I need to address that. It wasn't a big deal, but we got home yesterday and I'm like, I'm not ready to address it right now because we haven't been connected. I've been gone. It does need to be addressed, but I'm going to wait until I feel like I've been able to lean into some connection with him before I address it. So I haven't brought it up. I didn't bring it up last night. Um, again, this is a, it's not like a huge thing, but it's just yeah. a little thing. I heard him like a little, but felt like a little bit of a fib that he said to his friends. And so I'm like, ah, I'm going to address this, but I'm going to wait till it feels like we're on a heart, a deeper heart connection that we didn't have the luxury to have over the last four days. Yeah. So last night we, I went out and I played basketball with one of my kids. I played football with the other one. Um, we sat down at dinner and we had a longer conversation and let the, let the kids just direct the conversation where they wanted to go. That, that, that older son today, I take him to baseball practice. Right. And so I'm allowing all of these, things to reestablish heart connection. And then I'm going to have the opportunity to make sure I get to train him in the way he should go. And it won't feel like legalism because I've made sure there's connection first. So good. Love that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think just some practical things is when you ask, you know, the difference between shame and privacy, it's just when you see something that you might be like, have that, like we talked about earlier, that inner alert where you're like, Oh my gosh, is not to respond in that way because that will increase shame almost immediately yeah. right so like uh it's super in our family i don't know if it's just our family because it's not like these are things you talk about outside of it but in our family and our extended family it's kind of a joke now all of the boys even when they were babies in diapers they would just have their hand they're sleeping and their hands are in their diapers their Still hands now. Are in their pants they fall asleep on the couch it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it's totally just a comfort thing it's actually you know there's a whole nother conversation of if they're playing with their privates what do we do but it's not even playing with them it's literally just the comfort of their hands are in their pants or in their diaper mm -hmm. um and so you know we've made sure to address it and not a hey don't do that you know like that right. type of thing right away instills like oh this is so bad what am i doing you know mm -hmm. so having the conversations of what private parts are um, and understanding that bodies are really beautiful and amazing the way God made our wonderful bodies, but mm -hmm. that we want to um, keep the private parts private and curiosity is okay and normal. And this is probably just a comfort thing for you. But then because it was such a habit inside of our home, knowing that it would easily translate to, you know, when they're in their classroom or something, yes. so trying to protect them, realizing you can't not do this in public. We just came up with a family code word. I actually learned it from uh, one of my friends. I was like, that's a great idea. Because then the family code word is like, we know it. It's not going to embarrass you then if you are around friends and you're doing it. Um, and so our family code word is mango. So when you hear mango and they use it amongst each other, uh, just last night, we were watching a show together and one of the older brothers is telling a younger brother mango because they're just saying it's not gross. It's not dirty. But hey, it's just trying to break the habit. Yeah, so you don't find yourself in an awkward situation. Yeah. So good. That's so good. And I like it. Well, some several things that you guys said brought just this, I guess, biblical idea to my mind. We we're talking about shame and why we don't want shame is like the first, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did, they felt shame and then they yeah. hid, them, hid themselves. Right. And that's not the best 
isolation is where the enemy works. Absolutely. And so, and I loved what you guys are saying, like bringing them close, establishing those boundaries, doing it in a, in a setting where, you know, there is safety and love. There's so much room for discipleship there. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for that. These tips and Mm -hmm. the, the, the practical part of like, Hey, we're not trying to embarrass our kids out in public. We're trying to, you know, build them up. But Hey, there are some things, you know, Adeline mango, get off that thing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll have to find a different word for that. But I like the code word. Something we're working through right now is, you know, boy and girl distinction. Um, And, you know, they'll see a boy that looks like a girl and, you know, they've said super loud or even asked them directly, are you a girl or a boy? You know? And so the concept is being solidified, which is great. But then we have to teach them too, like manners. Like it's it's actually not polite to ask somebody yeah. if they're a boy or a girl, you know? Um, and so yeah. we, I like the code word because it kind of pulls them in a bit without embarrassing them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's I like that the different family members can mention it too, just as a yeah. little reminder, you know? Yeah. That's good. Okay. So you went there, Kate, earlier. Let's go ahead and go there. Um, You talked about when, you know, it's a whole nother conversation for Mm -hmm. if a boy is touching himself. Um, How do you guys approach the conversation of masturbation with a child? You have, you have boys. How have you guys talked? How have you (laughs) talked about it with your boys and how do you guide other parents in talking about it? Yeah, we haven't got there with our boys yet because it hasn't really been an issue. You know, I think <laughs> so with that, I want to also kind of circle back to answer that question with the power of first mention. Okay. I think the, the, the really critical thing about the power of first mention is making sure that we first so solidified the fact that you can come to me with questions, concerns or anything like that, because mm-hmm. you can't I mean, you're going to overwhelm your kid if you're so Die hard on power first mention. All right, sit down. Let me tell you about oral sex. Let me tell you about masturbation. Let me tell you about pornography. Let me tell you about sexual intercourse. Let me tell like, uh-huh. you know, like they're going to what? Uh. Mm-hmm. It's not so much. I have to make sure that I'm the first place you hear everything from. Okay. It's I want to establish that I am your source. So anything that's connected to sex that you hear you can come and ask me about, and I'm going to give you the accurate information about that. So you don't feel the need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then I have actually said that to my boys, like, Hey, if you ever have a question about a phrase you hear at school or a word or something, don't look it up on the internet, come and ask me. Cause okay. if you look it up on the internet, you could find something very, very negative and inaccurate. I want you to have the truthful answer, not mm-hmm. the inaccurate answer. So come and that. ask me about it. Right. <laughs> and so to masturbation, it hasn't come up with my boys yet. Um, my oldest boy who was in middle school, we've talked about pornography with more extensively than we have the younger two. Okay. Um, but they're all aware that it's a thing. They've all been trained on, hey, it's probably going to be tried introduced to you by a friend, uh, older kid, like the, all the common ways that it's introduced. That happens. You're not in trouble. Just come and tell us that, what, what you saw and that it happened. You'll know that it's pornography because the people probably don't have clothes on and something's going on in the video that you're not aware of. I just want you to know you're not going to get in trouble if someone tries to show you this or you accidentally find it on the Internet. Just mm-hmm. come and tell us and we will... You know, we'll, we'll work through that. So, so 
you know, the oldest son who's in middle school, he's very aware. Pornography is a very real thing. He's a lot of the kids at his school have already seen it. He asked me one day, like, Dad, I can't believe I'm the only kid at school that hasn't seen pornography. He was in fifth grade. Um, right. So we just dialogued about his perception of that being the case mm-hmm. and what he thought about that. And, you know, all of these things. Um, so with that, we haven't got to the point yet of explaining masturbation because it ha- we're trying to go at his rate and we're sharing control with him. Yes. So there was a point where he didn't want to know what sex was. So we didn't tell him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know what it is yet. Great. Then we're not going to tell you. And then and then it got to a point when he asked me about oral sex where like he, he came home and he said, Dad, I heard at school that girls suck on boys penises. Is that a thing? And I go, yeah, that's actually a part of sex, kiddo. Like, we probably need to have the sex, like, actually tell you what sex is. And he goes, I don't want to know yet. He was at the end of his fifth grade year. And I said, well, you know what we're going to have to do, kiddo, is before you start sixth grade, we're going to have to sit down and talk about it before you go into middle school. Mm. He goes, okay, that seems fair. That gives me a couple months. <laughs> Love and, the negotiation. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and But told, what we're doing is I'm, I'm not wanting him to feel like... He has to do what we want him to do when we want him right. to do it. Right. I'm training him and I'm guiding him, but I'm also letting him share control in his process so that yeah. he doesn't feel like he's having to be forced into something he doesn't feel ready for. He's into sports. He's playing sports every night of the week. He's, but you know, like the last, like he doesn't even want to know that a penis goes into a vagina at that point in fifth grade, nor do I mm-hmm. think he needs to know that. Right. right? Yeah. Like, and so, so we sat down and we explained it to him. Um, and then even in that conversation, it, it, or I don't remember if it was exact that conversation or if it was another one. I said, part of this is masturbation, kiddo. Is, you know, and we need to probably talk about that when you think that you're ready to hear about it or you're hearing about it at school. And he goes, master, what? He hadn't even heard about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah. well, it's a way that somebody can give themselves the same feeling of sex. And he goes, why would they want to do that? And we said, well, sex feels really good. God made it that way. And, you know, we explained that. And I said, so when you want to know what masturbation is, come and talk to me. We're oh, going to explain that to you. Too, right. And so yeah. um, so think- you're opening doors and, and allowing him to walk through them when he feels comfortable. Yeah, that's a good way to him. say it, Adam. Yeah, we're opening the doors. We're allowing him to walk through it as he feels comfortable. We don't want to push him through a door that he doesn't want to be in yet. Yeah. We also don't want to, him to be in a room that we don't know that he's in yet. See, yeah. I think that's where so many parents find themselves. That they're, oh, my kid's in that room and I haven't ever explained what's on the walls. Yes. Yeah. And... Man, I, I love what you guys are, are saying. And, and there might be parents right now going, oh my word, they're talking about this. <laughs> but being premarital counselors and counselors that work with people and marriages daily, yeah. I find I, we've changed our language around this. Yeah. When we're when we're talking to premarital couples that are young, a lot of these people are church kids. You know, they're, they're the, you know, air quotes, good kids that never had exposure, sheltered, whatever we want to say. But we've changed their language to what's your exposure been like to pornography? Yeah. Rather rather than have you have you ever seen it? Yeah. Because everybody has seen it that we've talked to. Yeah. Um so so Can I address that quick, Adam? Because I I think it'll be a more concise answer to what you asked, Krista, is um so what we're what you ultimately want to do back to this again. And I know I keep beating the dead horse of connection, but 
I mean, there, none of this works without that. So um, if you're, if step number one is get connected when before, and maybe you need to spend the next six months reconnecting uh, parents, that's, that's the most important thing. A quick way to say it that might help you remember as a parent is connection before correction. But mm-hmm. so even when you're like, well, there's something to correct, like ask yourself, even in like, is it story of his example where it's like, am I connected yet? Let me connect first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so with masturbation, I think you're trying to figure out two things. Is this just my child physically touching themselves or is there something sexual behind this? We as adults automatically attach sexual to masturbation. Your child may not have even connected the fact that this is a sexual thing at this yeah, point. Right. Especially when just, they're like toddlers, right? Exactly. Like they might just right. be aware, oh, it feels good when I do this. Then you just dialogue like, hey, you know, you're touching yourself a lot. Why do you do that? Oh, it mm-hmm. feels really good. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. But, you know, and then you start to lean in from that. You realize there's no sexual tie here. Yeah, there's right. just a, there's just a becoming aware of our body. Yeah. So then you talk about why it feels good and how God made that. And so and and that good feeling is meant to be used in a certain context. And so mm-hmm. you want to be careful to not use it in that context, you know, and you start to dialogue that way. Mm-hmm. If you've come to the point where you've realized my child is master actually fully masturbating to ejaculation is using pornography or um, social media or pictures or images or thoughts or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to first of all, pause and say, it's not a lost cause. Their brains aren't fully developed till 22 to 25. And so if you're able to identify, oh, there's this, this has already begun to be a part of their life. First of all, take a deep breath and don't go in with guns ablazing because there's yeah. a you're going to just immediately trigger their shame part yeah. of their mind and their heart, and they're going to oh I, no I wasn't did it and they're you're not going to give them the freedom to get free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we want to do then is mm-hmm. say okay so if you've somehow come across it maybe you found it or you discovered it or you've seen them whatever it is ask them hey why talk to me about this like when did this start mm-hmm. what led you into this. Um, is there something I can do to help? Like, do you, is this something that you, is this a habit that you want to be doing mm-hmm. nine times out of 10? They're like, no, I just don't know how to stop it. Yep. Oh man. I want to help you stop it. Yep. Uh, thankfully your brain's young enough right now that it's really, really moldable. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually change this and adjust this together. And I want to help you do that. What's what level of conversation can you, can we have that would make you feel comfortable with me having with you? Right. And so again, you're sharing control, you know, in your head where you're going to go, we know in our head, we're going to help train them. We're going to help create healthy boundaries. We're going to help get there, but we also want to get them there without them knowing we got them there, so to speak, because of the potential for shame in this area. We can't just go like with my kids. Here's the deal. They're doing chores. We're not whining about it. We're not arguing about it. You're doing a chore. Why do you do a chore? Because you get the blessing of being a Zick. And part of the blessing of being a Zick is you do chores and you have shared work in our home. We're not, there's not, and there's days, I don't want to do it today. I know, I don't want to do your laundry today. I don't want to clean up the car or cook your meal tonight either, but I'm going to do all those things. (laughs) Right? Like this is a little bit different where if I just go in and lean into it, the the ramp, the damage is much bigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so- there has to be this shared control conversation where they're feeling like they're getting to be a part of a solution, yeah. not having a solution forced upon them. Mm. Awesome. That's I love so it. so good. 
so, so good. For parents, this is so helpful. There, I've talked to so many people that are struggling with pornography yeah. and they shared it to their parents early on or they knew some of their parents knew about it. But because of the shame and the parents didn't know what to do, just said, hey, well, you need to stop doing that. But didn't give them the freedom for freedom. I loved yeah. how you said that. Once we can do that as parents and actually take discipleship serious yeah. of yeah. our kids, we can actually raise men and women of God to, to be world changers. Because yeah. shame is something that's going to hold them back from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the deal, parents. Here, I'll say this with that, Adam, because what we have to realize as parents is if we shy away from it and we don't lean into connection with this, mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with an adult child's divorce mm-hmm. later on. I mean, porn is one of the key contributors to divorce. You guys know this. I mean, there's, it's very rare that there's a marriage that's falling apart, that porn wasn't involved at some level. You're right. Mm-hmm. I also would even say it's a key reason for sa- like singleness of not even entering marriage because of the addiction to porn. Right. So it's brokenness. <laughs> and so end. we've got to actually lean in when we have the authority and the, the voice to do so. And I would tell you this, parents, it's actually not about the orgasm or the sex. They're probably feeling anxiety, overwhelmed, lack of connection, rejected at school. What porn ultimately becomes is a coping mechanism to something their subconscious doesn't know how to to deal with or quantify. Mm-hmm. And so instead of going, all right, you let's set up this on your computer. Let it set up this on your phone. Let's you can't look at screens on your own. All of those may need to be done and probably do need to be done. Mm-hmm. But that's not step one. Step one is, hey, why do you think you do this? Do you feel connected to your friend group at school? Do you feel connected to me? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Because what your subconscious knows that your conscious mind doesn't is, ah, the dopamine and serotonin release in my neurotransmitters that I get from an orgasm really gives me a break from the anxiety I'm feeling from school. Mm. Really gives me a break from the rejection I'm feeling from my friend group. Mm. And so your subconscious, the subconscious of your child is taking the path of least resistance to reprieve from the toxic experience in whatever area they're feeling it. Mm. And so our step one is, let me just sound like a broken record again. Get connected. Acknowledge their experience. Acknowledge their experience. Help Mm -hmm. them to realize what's overwhelming them right now. Yeah. And if they can, and what will happen is they'll in this moment realize, wow, I felt really stressed. I talked to my mom or I talked to my dad and I felt so much less stressed. Mm. You know what their subconscious is going to do? Come back to you. Oh, porn isn't my only release from stress. Yeah. I actually get a huge release when I connect with my parent. Classic conditioning. Exactly. We're, we're conditioned. You want to jump in and recondition their mind that you're a safe place. And that when they come to you, they find answers to the chaos in their life. Holy smokes. You're not even going to have to tell them not to look at pornography. Their subconscious won't go there anymore because you just became a solution to their subconscious issues and struggles. And an authentic one at that. Exactly. They know, even if they don't know it directly or consciously, subconsciously, they know the difference between authentic intimacy and objectified inauthentic solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Just to say something that I know pretty much everybody understands, but they're... It takes a village to raise your kids. 
Yeah. And pastors are incredibly important and parents are a grandma, grandpa, but God gave your kids to you. Yeah. And this is your responsibility to teach them. Yeah. Because you will have those open doors and it, the pastor or the people that you want to maybe, you know, you want to, yeah, you want to yeah. get out of this conversation. I don't think you will. I mean, you could, but to your kid's detriment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So you guys have seen, to wrap this up, um, you've seen a lot of um, horror stories, a lot of sad, traumatic stories. You've heard a lot of those, but you've also, now that moral revolution has been a thing for how long? 2009, so yeah. 13 yeah. years. So quite a long time. Wow, you have You have kids and teens and now young adults who grew up on moral revolution. They, yeah. parents who raised their children using the principles of moral revolution. Um, talk about some success stories you've seen from just moral revolution's principles in general or any of your particular resources. Because we want to see this yeah, done well great. and the fruit of that. Yeah. So one of the, the most exciting ones to me that sticks out is we had an event where we hosted this. We were talking about parents and power of first mention and, you know, all of that stuff. And probably two years later, I spoke at a church and this gentleman came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, I was at this event that you guys did two years ago. You talked about the power of first mention. My child was eight or nine. I don't remember the age exactly, but in that range. And he goes in. So I went home and started talking with him and just preparing him. The very next week, he spent the night at someone's house and he came home and he said, dad, they tried to show me pornography. And I remembered what you told me last week. And I told him, I can't look at this. And I left the room. Okay. Oh, wow. I know. Like so yeah. significant, right? Mm -hmm. And and we've started to hear a number of stories like that. You yeah. know, we're seeing it even in our own kids' lives and the yes. lives of their friends. And mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're seeing a lot of victory at school. Like our kids, personally, our, there's nowhere, there's no better place for us to engage. Even yeah, I mean, it's great to do podcasts. It's great to preach. But I'll tell you, I want to win at my kids' school more than I want to win on your podcast. Yes, <laughs> stage at their church, right? Yeah. And so, We've leaned in at school and we've begun to, to give our school resources and the school has taken the resources we've given them and they've used them. And so now we'll get parents all the time like, oh, thank you for doing this chapel. Thank you for speaking at this. And they're sharing these yes. different success stories of I got to have this conversation with my kid and it prevented this from happening. Or I discovered this and it was really painful, but now we're actually le learning through it and we're growing through wow. it. And so, wow. um, so cool. yeah, I think there's been we're getting to see a lot of a lot of success stories, a lot of people that are doing it the right way, because yeah. it's actually not that hard. Uh, we think it's hard. It's hard because it's the unknown, but actually most people that I've talked to, once they actually lean into it, they're like, it was number one, way easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. And the return on investment was exponential. I, I was, I'm shocked at the return on investment of actually investing into these things with my kids because it is so foreign that the return is massive in the area of connection. And yes. It's so good. Tell us about um, your resources in this yeah. area. Cause you guys have come up with some really helpful resources for parents dealing with this stuff. Yes. So it's been a huge passion of ours and we have been like pulling together all of the children's books and just kind of our favorite gurus that we've looked at. And we were like, how could we create a resource where it's just a one-stop shop where everything's in one place? So 
and how to use it, right? Like yeah. sometimes there's like, honestly, there's a hundred resources out there. You <laughs> almost just need an instruction manual of how to use each resource. <laughs> right. So we built what is just, it feels like a baby of ours that we just are so proud of. And so like thankful that it's on the earth. We did it with our friends, Jason and Lauren Ballatin, and it's called Parent Well, Raising Kids in a Hypersexualized Culture. And basically it's an entire guided journey of where do we start this conversation to where we end up. So it's 10 core sessions um, that really start at the root of saying the home you had. So you even dig in to understand what are your most deepest beliefs about sexuality based on the home you had and what are you kind of uh, recycling that you might want to break or what do you want to adopt and bring in Uh, the home you have. It helps you really assess your current culture, especially of connection. How do we create cultures of connection and curiosity and communication? And then the home you want. How do we build the home we want? Um, but what's amazing is we, like I said, there's the authors of uh, the Defend Young Minds book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Kristen Jensen speaks into it. The founder of Protect Young Eyes, who knows all about the digital and tech world and the dangers our children face. Uh-huh. He is a contributor to it. Dr. Stanton Jones, who's like the sex ed, Christian sex ed guru, who has written uh, the God's Design for Sex series that has over millions of copies sold. He came in and he spoke into it and taught into nice. it. So. It's just, it's like a one-stop shop of like, okay, here's what we do. We just start, whether you want to do it, you know, 10 weeks and you take one week at a time, it has parent homework. So you uh, can go through it yourself. There's questions to ask your kids. There's the assessment to take. So it's really good and really honestly could start the books. This is where parents go wrong sometimes, right? We think, oh, I'll think about that when they're like 12 or 13. It's Mm -hmm. like his first book is for you to read to your three-year-old. Like there's an amazing age-appropriate book from age three to five. So Well, I mean, there's five phases of sexual development. The first phase is already done by the age of three. So if you're not starting until middle school or high school, you're into stage number four at that point. Wow. You're four stages in until you decided to get into the conversation with your kids. Mm. Yeah. Y'all, wherever you're at, if your kid is a newborn, it's time to to know now. (laughs) Know now. Don't know then. Know now. (laughs) Well, what is it? The Bible says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So get these resources on board. There's a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom paired with that knowledge. Where can people find the Parent Well course? They can go to letsparentwell.com. Very simple. All of our resources are on moralrevolution.com. We have lots of parenting podcasts and books, but letsparentwell.com will lead them on that journey. Fantastic. And we will link that in the show notes as well. So they can just click on letsparentwell.com. We will also link uh, Moral Revolution. You guys have so many courses. I mean, anything that you can think of related to sexuality. And they're well done. Yes, they have well done courses um, for marriage, parenting, um, even like uh, pre-marital, like anybody who's looking for resources and sexuality can find good good stuff at moralrevolution.com. So we'll link that as well. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you big time. We're going to we're gonna ask you guys this question that we ask everyone as we close out uh, the show. And we've asked you before when you were on our show. Maybe, we'll, maybe, maybe tune it toward like parenting. There here. you go. Tune it toward parenting. So rewinding back to your first couple years of marriage, speaking to a young married couple, uh, what advice do you wish you would have received and fill in the blank, dear young married couple? Oh, 
I don't remember what I answered, what we answered last time. So it might be a totally different answer now. Yeah. You know, we're kind of a live in the moment passion kind of people. <laughs> uh, we'd, we'd like to be more consistent than we are, but we're kind of, you know, free in the wind sometimes. Yeah, we are. Do you want to go first? I can't. I need a minute. I got a thought. Okay, All right. My, what I would say, dear young married couple, refuse to settle for less than God's best mm. in your sex life with your connection with your kids, with your connection with each other. A lot of times marriages seem to be willing to settle in certain areas and accept losses that they should never accept. Mm. Uh, refuse to settle for less than God's best. Always strive for total health in every area, even if it means long hours of conversations and counseling. Man, we're huge mm. proponents of counseling. Get counseling, get counseling. Get. We've gotten counseling more times than we can count in our marriage. And it's why we our marriage mm. is freaking rocking the world because we've gotten counseling because yeah. we trust counselors and so Aww. don't Amen. settle go after whatever it takes to get really healthy in every area mm. I love it Boom. okay I got one okay. Hey, a young married couple you are called to be set apart so what that means is your life is going to look very different than lots of your friends' lives. You are not going to watch the same things. You're not going to go to the same places. You're not going to have the same kind of conversations. And when you choose to do that, when you choose holiness and obedience mm -hmm. and um, you are choosing and exampling for your kids and the future generations that you're leading and you're going to be protecting them from so much just by your choice to say, I'm not just going to say, oh, I chew the meat, spit out the bones. Like I'm choosing holiness over all of this. Yeah. It's beautiful. You guys are anointed and it shines through even when you're just having fun conversation. You're yeah. authentic. We love it. Thank you for pouring in, you guys. Yes. It's yeah, all we love you guys. Thanks for having us. It's an honor. Always. Absolutely. Well, we always enjoy having a conversation with you guys. You have so much wisdom and we do. love what you guys are doing. We're fans. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.